Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Well, John Waite has been in the music business for over 35 years with the hits to prove the depth and breadth of his songwriting and storytelling. From the babies to bad English and solo hits in between, from Missing You to When I See You Smile to the current country hit, If You Ever Get Lonely, recorded by Love and Theft, John Waite is a musical force of nature. He's with us today to talk about his latest album, Live All Access, and his musical journey. We've got John Waite, got John Waite today. Heart and soul, rock and roll his way. Welcome to the show, John. Wow, I'm so impressed. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I didn't expect that. I thought, well, I had a sneaky suspicion that you might all sing. <laughs> but I didn't think you'd actually do it. So thank you. That was very nice. Oh, uh, you're welcome. We are really thrilled to have you on the show. Now, you, I'm thrilled to be on the show. Thank, thank you. you. You've had such a fabulous career. But first, I want to talk about your amazing voice. From the babies to the most recent album, you've got the voice that just pours emotion out. Well, thank you. Where did you learn to sing? I didn't really. I do remember being about 11 and, and trying to sing this, this really high note from a, a soul song as I was running upstairs to my bedroom and I hit the note smack on and I remember thinking, oh, I can sing. Mm. So and that was it. That was the point was at the which moment. you thought, I, about 11, 11 I can above. do this. Okay. Yeah. There was always musical instruments around the house and my mum played the piano, my brother played guitar. Okay. My cousin Michael was a famous banjo player and turned me on to all the old early country stuff like Hank Williams and Jimmy Rogers. And from there, it just became everything. I mean, in Britain at that point, the only radio station playing anything that was contemporary was Radio Luxembourg. And that was just for troops that were stationed in Germany, really. Okay. Uh, American troops who were hip to rock and roll. But we didn't have anything. You know, that part of the history of rock and roll is, is pure Western music. Uh-huh. The first things I listened to was Western music. Okay. And yeah. that has come in and out of your life. Well, yeah, the storytelling. When I look back at the babies, the B-side of the first single is a complete story about me and my best friend at the mm-hmm. time. I never really thought about it, but I've always... One out of three songs has quite an intricate plot. Uh-huh. And um, I'm hoping that two out of three songs has an interesting plot. And then the rest of it, I have no idea about. <laughs> I, I, I do like, I like the written word. I like stories. And uh, the early country stuff fascinates me. Uh-huh. Now, when you sing in the studio, how much pre-prep work do you do about your delivery? Nothing? Nothing, Nothing. Or? I don't even warm up. I okay. mean, it's kind of like I always think that the first take ah, is the yeah. deepest. Okay. How about that? Wow. The first take is, <laughs> is, is really... Baby, I know. But really, it is. I mean, whatever you do, when you're singing the first time around, you don't know how your voice is going to sound on the mic, and you don't know what the balance in the headphones is. Mm-hmm. You're flying, mm-hmm. and you've got no time to second-guess yourself. Now, have you always had naturally good pitch? You know, I, yeah, okay. I have. Uh, there's been a few moments when I've heard some things where it's completely off-key, and it surprised me. Uh-huh. Um, you just can sing that. in that pitch pocket. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, we missed the note, mm-hmm. but it's very rare. I've always been pretty good like that. I've always had good pitch. In the studio, when you hear something that's off, oh, I get it immediately. You do, okay. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I tried to cut a track once where the guitarist and the bass player hadn't intonated their guitars. Where that means, you know, like sort of making sure that the bridge on the guitar is at the same distance from the nut, okay. which is at the end of the guitar neck. And if they're both in the exact distance at point on the 12th fret, the whole guitar's in tune. Mm-hmm. But you have to do that before you go in the studio, and some guys don't. That means that if you play an F at the low end of the neck, it'll be in tune. But if you play an F at the top end of the neck, it'll be out of tune. Mm-hmm. You know, that can just be so annoying that people don't come... I mean, the, the only rule there is to music is that it should be in tune, and mm-hmm. the rest of it's a free-for-all, really. Right, right. Yeah. The delivery and the interpretation, when you do it live, do you change it up every night? Yeah. Okay. It's never the same twice. Okay. Never at all. And it could be a drawback if you're looking for the exact thing. We don't play to tape, so we don't okay. have any synthesizers at all. And it's almost like it's like a painting that you can repaint. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that we sing jazz. Right. Uh-huh. But everything is always slightly different because the sound is slightly different uh-huh. because the band play it very, very slightly different. So I react. As right. A That's what I was going to ask. As a singer, do you react to the environment, the circumstances, what you're hearing that particular night, and your voice takes on whatever is going on? Exactly. I mean, some singers would be sort of, you know, the manager would just say, like, you can't do that. You have to do this thing every night the same way. Mm -hmm. I'd probably fire the manager. You know, I I, Mm -hmm. I can't do it any other way. It's, um, there's a moment between the audience and the singer where you actually are just the same person. And you're singing for them, really, mm-hmm. not at them. Right. But you have that energy of whatever they've brought, and you interpret that, and that's the performance. Would you say you make yourself vulnerable up on stage? Well, if you're not vulnerable, then you're not really putting out. You've got to feel uh-huh. something to say something. Mm-hmm. So um, you can be ridiculously happy, and it's going to sound happy. Or you can be near suicidal and it'll sound suicidal or passionate uh-huh. uh, I have no idea I can't pretend mm-hmm. the other day I was just listening to this guy's interview and he said he's, it's almost impossible for him to lie mm-hmm. it, and I think that's because he's an actor he has to go to the character that he's acting and just be that mm-hmm. it, Gary Oldman uh-huh. who's a great actor sure. and, uh, and I thought well that's how I approach singing really uh-huh. I don't have an approach mm-hmm. it's just I the just truth do what I do and, and hang on you know Okay, now I've got a question for you. When your career started taking off and you're on national TV live, the big pressure shows, was that harder for you to kind of go to that place of losing yourself with the crowd and being vulnerable Ah, when you're on national TV? How'd you get in that zone? Wow. Um, Well, I was very shy. I didn't really want the job as singer. Okay. And it surprises me looking back that I had the strength to just walk out there into the spotlight and still pull it off. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as good as I am, I think, now. I think I've really learned my craft, or mm-hmm. I'm less intimidated by being in public. Uh-huh. I mean, I, but you should see me in front of a lot of people. I'm almost, you know, it's almost like I'm in your living room. I mean, it's, I'm pretty relaxed. Uh-huh. Yes. But at the beginning, it was very difficult. And Alison Krauss once told me that she was just as shy. And the point is that the art is more important than the shyness. Mm-hmm. So the biggest hurdle I ever had to overcome in my life was the shyness to get to the art. But the art was always stronger than the shyness. Yes. How did you get there? How did you get yourself to I that point? I don't know. 
it's a combination of passion and adrenaline and um, maybe ambition. I don't know. Okay. okay. I mean, I've sung Missing You maybe, I don't know, 5,000 times. Right. Yeah. But uh, I've never not meant it. Wow. No matter what shape you're in, if you've got a bad cold mm-hmm. or you're exhausted, you just have to find that center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you were in your 20s, you joined the babies. You had yeah. hits pretty early on. So yeah. what did you learn about the music business at that point? I didn't really know much about it. I thought that if you were straight ahead and shook hands, uh-huh. people would just have the humanity to honor the handshake. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid the babies business-wise was a catastrophe we got. The business part, I was just thinking before you called, but the business part was so miserable. Uh-huh. It was the exact polar opposite of what it was musically. And maybe there's a zen kind of right. part to the babies about that. Mm-hmm. And you have to go through that to have the other, you know? Right. But um, the music business has always been about business. Uh-huh. And it's something you have to coexist with. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if music is music and it's true music, mm-hmm. there's no business at all in it. I mean, Nashville, over the last five years, modern Nashville has become all business. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I, I just go, wow. Yeah. But the great of country music are still making great music. Right. They're just not young anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but once in a while you get somebody that's going to turn it on its head and bring it back down to earth but right now it's like watching you know American Idol it's, it's yeah. almost impossible to to align it with country because uh-huh. it's so pop yeah. mm-hmm. I agree well okay we're just getting started more with John Waite right after this you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Well, we're here chatting with John Waite, singer-songwriter from the UK. And right now, he's talking about shyness. Back to the shyness part. I loved the music before I had the ego to go on stage. Uh But funnily enough, without sounding coy... The shyness is competitive in some ways. If you're singing with somebody, you're not holding back. You're really going for the throat. And when you're writing, you're really trying to do the best work possible. So although there's a kind of aloofness to it, Uh it's still shyness. I was listening to a Bob Dylan song yesterday, and there was a line about mistaking shyness for aloofness. And I was so surprised he said that. Uh But if you look back at early Bob Dylan, he looks like he's trying to crawl under the table. Right. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight. But he is so driven to say what he's got to say that he's taking on the whole world. Right. So it's a really interesting dichotomy. Twist. Yeah. Dichotomy, yeah. Uh-huh. It really is. So now, then when you joined Bad English, you were back to the band. And it seems like you let things run their course, and you kind of knew when to switch gears. Well, I knew I'd had enough of big production and being in a place where there's um, a lot of corporate decisions being made. I couldn't handle it. We tried to make a second record and couldn't. We really tried. All of us really tried. But politically, it was ridiculous. You know, it was a very political band. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not political. So after that, I finished a second record, wave goodbye and step back. Mm-hmm. And then decided to be more singer-songwriter. It was such a weird experience, writing with such mainstream people. God mm-hmm. bless them. <laughs> but I became a lot more obscure, maybe, in my writing, and made an album called Temple Bar. I remember having this epiphany in my apartment in New York that I would try and write 
a rock and roll record, but it would be country influenced and it would be about New York City. <laughs> but it wouldn't sound like country. Okay. But it would be storytelling right. about the streets of New York and my life there. Okay. And it was like, wow, adding country into a mix where country was really unpopular. But just the storytelling, there's no banjos, there's no obvious countryness to it. It's just, it's the value of country, it's the uh, lyricism mm -hmm. and the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And once I started that, I went off on like a five-album cycle of this singer-songwriter thing that was completely different. Only the hardcore fans got it. I, I did a song for the true romance movie, Tony Scott's movie, mm -hmm. uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie, called In Dreams, that was very popular, that was like number two mm -hmm. in the charts. But I had two record companies fold on me back to back, Imago Records and then Mercury. Mm -hmm. So that the best of the best of what I'd done at that period got lost in the shuffle. But mm. it's on iTunes, and if you're looking for it, it's there. Okay. But it's my best work, I think. Great. Wow. Do you find it easier to write about heartache? Um, I think heartache drives everybody. Yeah. I think everyone's lonely and looking for a home. Everything that lives is looking for a partner. And uh, kids are sweet, and life with somebody that you love is very sweet. And I think it's the, you don't need money if you have that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that drives everybody. When it's unsuccessful or blows you apart, I think it's the thing that people carry with them all their lives. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so driven to make art. Right. I think happy people don't make great art. Mm -hmm. It's true. So did that motivate you to avoid happiness? No. Okay. I might sound uh, in my songwriting sometimes like I'm really, you know, but I'm just trying to get to the core of, of that kind of heartbreak. But I'm a very upbeat person. Okay. I laugh a lot. All the people I know laugh a lot. Mm -hmm. I've known a lot of love in my life. I've been married. I've been engaged twice since been married, but it didn't seem to work out. Mm -hmm. But I've had an extremely happy life, but the moments that went wrong were profound, and there was great poetry in it, even mm -hmm. though it was sad, you know? So if you're in a happy place and you're going to write, you revisit those moments that were the profound moments. Yeah, I think I try and sing about the oneness of, of what we are. Uh-huh, yes. I mean, we are one in a bigger sense, mm -hmm. but we, we are all fractured and alone. Yes. And beyond everything, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. You could be married to the love of your life and have children and still feel alone. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the poetry of life. That's mm -hmm. the sadness of life, really. Mm -hmm. But it's also great joy to be in love. But, you know, there's that great line, the guy in the Star Trek, Mr. Spock, okay. and he says something, I can't believe all you humans are so alone. Yeah. And um, he couldn't believe that human beings were so locked away. Right. But they are. We are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the importance of art because it does bring yeah, it does. us out of ourselves. Yeah, That's exactly right. And you share yourself with, through art mm -hmm. and people communicate. And maybe we're meant to be that way because that makes us want to interact. Mm -hmm. And create. Yeah, that's true. Uh -huh. Yeah. This is a very good interview. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. This is, you know, it's, all the questions are really deep. I, I, you know, it's, it's, um, you know I'm, I think it's great. Now, you uh, mentioned Alison Krauss a little earlier. Now, yeah. with her, you redid your hit, Missing You. So what is yeah. that like to see someone else interpret the song you've been singing for so many years? Well, it was interesting. I followed her career, mm -hmm. and I, I listened to her sing. And She's got a really neat voice. 
absolutely, and genuine. Mm -hmm. And so when it came time to make that particular record, I thought about doing a duet. There was no choice. I just called her up and said, will you do it? And she said, yes. It was a very important part of my life, that. It was uh, a friendship that's lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. She seems as genuine as her voice. <laughs> she is. Uh -huh. uh, she says what she means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also worked with Kyle Cook from Matchbox ah, 20. Kyle so. Cook. We had a mutual friend in Indiana that kept saying, you've got to go and work with Kyle. And I was in Nashville making a record, and he lives there. I had a day to kill. You know, I, I thought, well, it's rude not to call. <laughs> a ring. I'll just call him up, you know. Mm -hmm. And we met in a writing room. We just hit it off. And we started a record about six months later. Okay. And when the record finally came out, our guitar player bailed. He just ran away, did something else. Kyle did the American tour. And then when we had to go and do a European tour, Kyle came and did that too. Okay. I mean, he's a stand-up guy. My mum likes him. <laughs> like, you know, I can't say enough about him. I think he's a great guy. Nothing like having the mom's stamp of approval. You know, we did a gig together about two years ago at Christmas. Okay. And the first thing that happened in the dressing room is mum burst in and gave me a hug. Oh. So my mum likes him. Yeah. And his mum likes me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so cute. Well, it's nice when it's all mutual, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great, you know. But I've been very fortunate. I've only had a couple of experiences where I've played with people that seem devious, you know. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, I made a decision that I would never play with anybody I didn't think a lot of. Yeah. You know, you take a chance with people. Mm -hmm. Keith Richards says, you've, you've got one chance with me. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. give anybody a chance. But if you try and screw me, it's kind of like, you know, then you've got a problem with me. Right. I'm pretty much open. You know, I let everybody do what they want to do and everybody stays friends. You know? Yeah. And that's probably what you've learned through tough experiences. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. You do work with people who are not who they appear to be. Mm -hmm. And you only find out when it's too late mm -hmm. because they're that smart. And integrity is important with me, musically uh -huh. and personally. Yeah, because you can't really do one without the other. You can't have it. Yeah, uh -huh. that's exactly right. You know, it's like either you're truthful or you're not. But mm -hmm. some people are devious and they, you know, will borrow ideas and say they've written them. And yes. Take it to the cleaners and, and then take mm -hmm. a bow and get the award and then diss you. Yep. It's, uh, it's happened to me. Yes. And I thought the person who did it was a friend of mine. But, I mean, mm -hmm. you just go like, Wow. And once the but, trust is gone, that's you, know, oh, you just can't it, recover it, from that. You know, you do give people a second chance occasionally, but people really don't change that much, mm -hmm. I don't think. They take themselves with them. They really do, mm -hmm. and they wake up by themselves. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, we got to go to break. When we come back, you're going to hear what John Waite believes is his biggest career mistake, and it may just surprise you. You're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show. Keep it here. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Well, more with John Waite. So how did If You Ever Get Lonely end up on the Love and Theft album? You know, I don't know. Me and Kyle wrote it from an old song that was laying around. We rewrote the entire thing, really. I think Kyle's publisher at Sony just walked it into Love and Theft. I was thinking last night, I'm not really classic rock. All my influences are country yeah, and blues. That's so interesting. It uh -huh. is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really fit in mm -hmm. to classic rock magazine or classic rock uh, bills. Right. Uh -huh. I'd you rather play smaller places. And I mean, I wrote an acoustic song on one of my albums called Bluebird Cafe. Uh -huh. It was simply about a young girl 
going to Nashville to play at the Bluebird Cafe. Classic rock listens to that and goes like, next. Yeah. They have no understanding of it. Yeah. You know, you've got to be snarling at the camera and right. pretending to be 21. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's much, much more going on with me. It's a place I want to be. I don't want to dumb it down to, right. to appeal to an audience that I don't care for. Yes. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I just write what I write, you know. What you said earlier is you have to be honest. So you have to do what you have to yeah. do. If you yeah. can't live with yourself and you can't be proud of the work you do, what's the point? Absolutely. You know, it's like in bad English. There'd be things like, I've got this melody, let's try it. And you start singing it and you think, this is just junk. Mm-hmm. Or it sounds like Phil Collins. Or mm-hmm. like, I mean, people who are not influenced by the 50s and the 40s, who have no idea of what that was, generally miss the point completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hank Williams was alive in the 50s, but only just. Mm-hmm. But Etta James and Ella Fitzgerald and Big Bill Brunsey, Howling Wolf, all these great American acts, but also early Irish folk music mm-hmm. and, you know, Celtic music. Mm-hmm. There's something there that's bonded that became rock and roll. Uh-huh. But in the 80s, it became corporate yeah. and, and the artist lost control of it uh-huh. and it became super big business and it lost its way. And as things go, it went out of business. You know, mm-hmm. the CD came along and then downloading came along and all the record companies went bust, which kind of like made me laugh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were so cruel to the artist. Yep. Yeah. If you were a band right now starting, yeah. what would your approach be? I'd just play. You won't get rich doing it, but you can sell your CDs at the gigs. You can put them up on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sell your soul to a record company. Right. Never give your publishing away. Mm-hmm. Never. Have as much fun as possible. There's only one sun that's shining, you know, and it belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. And you can make a million dollars and buy a Mac mansion somewhere and be as unhappy as possible once you make a lot of money. Having enough is enough. Right. You don't have to be rich to be happy. Mm-hmm. I think that's the fallacy of the dollar. Mm-hmm. We're covering lots of fallacies today. It's yeah, true. absolutely. Talk about your live album. We have this new guitar player called Kerry Kelly, and, and about two months into him playing with us, he turned around one day after a gig and said, I get it. And he did. Playing in a three-piece band is extremely difficult. You've got to carry everything, you know. Mm-hmm. There's this sort of epiphany where you just go like, oh, I understand. You have to really fill the space that you're given mm-hmm. and play into each other. You can't drift. You can't pretend. You can't get through a gig and not commit. You have to really be strong. Mm-hmm. And it was so magical. We hit this point where he was pulling me back into rock again. Mm-hmm. And singing like I am a rock singer before I'm anything, you know. But I wanted to record it. So we started to record shows, and there's some big hits on there, but they're John Wade-type hits like Change and Head First from the Babies. But the rest of it is really essentially from the last album. If You Ever Get Lonely is on there. And we're leading with that. We're going to radio with that. A remastered version is going up on iTunes, and the album's on iTunes now. And if Love and Theft have any luck at all, you know, we could have a country hit and a rock hit simultaneously. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, nobody's done that yet. Mm -mm. I I wish them the best. Every time we do a show, I introduce the song as being a song they've covered and support your local country band. But uh, the competition in country is is absurd, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you live in California, right? Santa Monica. Okay. So do you go to Nashville a lot? Well, I used to live there. Okay. 
uh, up to about four years ago, and I was uh, I was engaged. I was going to get married and live okay. in Nashville, okay. but it blew up, so I came back to Santa Monica. Was she in the business? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so it was kind of like I just left. Would you say, looking back now, that it was a good thing? Well, if it's not meant to be, you know, I bent over backwards. I did everything I possibly could to make it work, and it uh-huh. couldn't work. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't do anymore. Right. But it's only been like the last year that I felt human again. Mm-hmm. It well, takes a long time to get over that kind of thing. Yeah, it does. Now, we have a question of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. what was your biggest career mistake, and how did you recover? Bad English. Oh, really? Yeah. The whole thing? The whole thing. It was number one, and it sold millions of records, but I think it was inappropriate. I think uh, I would made four solo records, and I got bored. And I would have probably walked away and done something else. And yet I wound up in bad English, which even though I brought a lot of weirdness to it, it was just this big produced thing. And my whole taste in music is the opposite, really. Okay. It's it's the more Spartan stuff. Uh And I think that it was a strange two and a half years, you know. Uh We had a lot of fun. Right. But it was, you never really hear it on the radio, which says a great deal about what it was. But you hear the babies quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And you hear the solo stuff a lot, but you never really hear bad English. I think the Journey fans didn't like it because it was too dark. Mm-hmm. And I think it was an odd thing. It was a, a, an anomaly. It was a difference at the time, you know. Big production gets on my nerves. I mean, <laughs> I, I sort of like look for people playing one-take stuff. I don't uh-huh. like working on... You can't work on music and make it music. Mm-hmm. You have to play music. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And that gets lost. Yeah. When I See You Smile was a Diane Warren song. That's right. Uh-huh. We just threw it in at the end. The A&R guy had been so nice to us and left us alone to just write this stuff. And uh, he'd found this song, and I knew Diane for years. And I said to the band, come on, let's, let's give it a shot, because you know, he's been such a good guy with us. Let's give it a whirl and see if we can make anything out of it, you know? It wasn't such a great song, so we got our hands on it. And then we just, they couldn't help themselves. They were so musical. Yeah. And then we had a number one song with it, so. So do you do When I See You Smile in your concerts now? Yeah, I do it a cappella. I come out oh, in the, in the, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you all did that in harmony. That <laughs> we, we tend to do that. <laughs> we don't mean to, but a lot of times that happens. There you go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I come out in the encore and just sing it with the audience. Oh, it's I bet quite, that's awesome. It's quite beautiful. Uh-huh. You know, it couldn't get more Spartan. You know, yeah. the yeah. band walk off and I walk back on and we together. So you got away from the big production then? Yeah, you really got away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's as far away as you can get. You're like oh, you sticking it to the big production every night when you do that acapella. What yeah, did yeah. we say in our intro song, Heart and Soul, Rock and Roll His Way? His yeah, way. that's exactly what it is. But we do stuff like Bluebird Cafe and we do In Dreams and we do Missing You mm-hmm. and When I See You Smile. Mm-hmm. And they were beautiful and plugged. Mm-hmm. And there's a spiritual thing that kind of kicks in when you're just doing it that intimately. Mm-hmm. But we just played two days ago to 4,000 people headlining in Dayton. And it was just probably one of the best shows I ever played mm-hmm. and one of the most rock. So I, I could explain to you what's the best about both worlds, but you probably know already being professional. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know myself how it all works. Right. I just play it by ear. You know when it works. Yeah, you yeah. can tell immediately. Oh, though. yeah. But you walk out and the monitors actually work like sound check. <laughs> yeah, that's and, always uh, a beautiful thing when you can hear yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's beyond words. You look over to your left, and instead of giving the guy the finger, you smile at him. Yeah. Nice. <laughs>
<laughs> That's a good night. <laughs> John, we want to thank you for sharing your musical journey and your stories. And thank you for being so honest about your musical process and all of that, too. Well, I, you don't often, I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. I thought the questions were great. Oh, thank I really you. I've had three cups of coffee to wake up <laughs> to do this, but... I didn't really need the coffee. They were great questions. I enjoyed oh, it. Well, thank you That so means much. a lot coming from you. Well, thank you. You know, when we get access to someone like John Waite, we do have a lot of questions and a lot of things we want to know. So, Well, that's kind of you. Well, so do the police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, you have a great day. And you too. Thanks very much. Thank All right. you. Take God care. Bless. Bye-bye. 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 Well, wrapping it up here with singer-songwriter John Waite. When we come back, it's our Renza Regional Arts Spotlight. Today, we have actors Jill Anderson and Brendan Kelly. Stay with us. You're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show. And here's John Waite with Missing You. Every time I think of you I always catch my breath And I'm still standing here And it all 